This is Webinars with Wendy. Every day, just about, I try to bring you some interesting guests or some new information. We've been doing this now for three months, and this is, I think, number 68. Ida's been with Holy me. Smokes. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? 68 of these. You And this is your fourth time, right? I think so. I yep. think so. I think, I think you and um, Sharon Wilsey are like my my top returnees, which is awesome. <laughs> well, you've got so much fun st stuff for us to like, like collaborate on. I know. I need my gin and tonic, really. <laughs> <laughs> I can only offer you a diet Mountain Dew. I don't think that's going to help you. No, and I don't see how we can pass it through Zoom. All right. Uh, sound is breaking up. Okay. We do have a thunderstorm going on right now. I'm just hoping everything holds. Um, Let's just we go ahead too. and get started. You do too. You have a thunderstorm. Yeah, yeah yep. we had a pretty big, big uh, blow come through earlier and then it let up, but now it's pouring down rain out there and hopefully the cats have come in. Okay, so this is Ida Hammer. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Just a brief intro. Most of you know who she is and we're going to rock and roll. Okay, you're on, Ida. <laughs> hey guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. And um, so I'm a whole horse hoof practitioner and a clinician. So I, I, everything that's related to the horse is all the, like the hooves. I, like I focus on hooves, but it's a, everything is connected. So Wendy and I have gotten to do some really fun things together. And like, I'm going to talk about some of the experiments we're getting ready to do um, at our professionals class here in a couple of weeks. So lots of cool things, um, lots of fun stuff to talk about. And so um I, that's me. I'm like, I, I trim horses, teach people to trim horses, teach people about the whole body connection and, and hopefully and you have a fabulous following. I mean, the, I have to tell you that the people that follow you love you just so you know. <laughs> well, I love them back. I'm like, we are like, we call it, we're a tribe. I'm like, because we're all in it for the same reasons and we just feed off the energy and it's a really good thing. Yep. So yep. We're, what are we going to talk about tonight, Ida? So one of the things has been, uh, it's, been for a long time but it's like we're really coming to fruition with it with what we're doing with this so i want to talk about negative plantar and palmar angles in horses because um it's really not all about the hooves but the hooves like the way i put it to everyone is the hooves are the first thing and the last thing that touches the ground and they affect everything in between mm -hmm. so anything that's in between those four connections is affected by the hooves so uh, Deb Davies and I, like, we, like she's coming up to be one of your speakers here in the next few On weeks. Thursday. I think. Awesome. So Deb yeah. Davies and I have been, uh, what was that? A Wednesday or Thursday. I better check because I'm like so off. Yeah, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. At so, 7 o'clock. <laughs> yay. Cool. Well, her and I came up with, like, we've been, like, talking back and forth about different things that we've seen and things that we can help and that kind of thing. So we came up with... Um, we did a, our, it was our first trial uh, clinic um, at the end of May at her place, and it was the unveiling the uh, neck and hoof connection. And so what we did there, and I'm like, it was by happenstance because I'm like, whatever horses that are there, I'm like, we just, we evaluate them, we look at them, we watch them go, and then we start like just experimenting and seeing what we can do to make these horses be the happiest that they are. So a lot of people are missing the fact that their horse's angles are actually throwing off everything because um, you can get these negative plantar and palmar angles that start to change the proprioception in the horse just by the way that they're all attached to muscles and, and everything like that. So, so, so Ida, can I get you to give us, uh, in fact, two things. One, can I throw this up on Facebook Live because I think this is important. Okay. Okay, and then let me get that done. And then my next question is gonna be for you to define those plantar and palmar angles, just to make sure I'm really clear about what you're talking about. Because okay, I'm going to go to share screen. 
I'm okay, going to share me, my screen because I've got some. Let me some... put you up on, on Facebook first. Okay. Okay. It takes a second to get it up. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, bring some caffeination. <laughs> caffeination's good. <laughs> is that your Mountain Dew? I can't it is. Right now. It is. Okay. We all get it somehow, right? Yep. Absolutely. I drink a coffee every morning, but after, after 12 o'clock, I cannot drink coffee. I will not sleep at night if I can. <laughs> I sleep with a Mountain Dew by my bed in case I have a thought that I need to retain. Oh, man. I... You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been given the instruction to keep a notebook by my bed. I now have the notebook, but do, do I have notes? No, my brain wants to do that. <laughs> I, I can't hear right fast enough, you know? <laughs> okay, this is taking a while. Give me a minute here, and we'll okay. just go over, and it's fine, and we always do this. And, so uh, well, uh, while, while you're waiting for that to come up, I'll start to explain it, and then when I can share my screen, I can show you some things. So when we're talking about negative palmar or plantar angles, so negative palmar angle would be on the front beam. And what that means is, is your coffin bone angle in alignment to the bony column. So you don't want a, a, a zero to a negative uh, angle of a palmar plane, meaning that the, the behind part of the coffin bone, oh, where did you go? Oh, I just, I made you big. Oh, okay. That's scary. <laughs> that scared me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so can I go to share my screen now? Uh, no, because I haven't gotten it up yet. That's why I just, I made you big while well, I'm busy sitting oh. here uh unable to okay just go we can't do it it's okay so connection. can i share my screen then yeah okay let me go do this real quick need to go away there we go and uh let's see we got some okay yeah usually you help me with this before i get to this part so like, i know but to... you've pra you've had practice i know so i i I'm... okay here you got you got it oh, i gotta get this off i get this off i gotta get this one other thing off just don't, don't, just diminish it. Don't, don't, don't close it. Okay, just, I just, just did diminish that. it. Okay, I did that. We good? You still can see my dogs in my pictures? I can see your dog. There you go. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. almost so let me, go away let me go to this one first then. Okay. So, so this is, this is a cadaver bone in a magnetic set. So when you look at this bone, you see like, so you have this here and then the angle of the coffin bone towards the back is higher than the front. Does that make sense to everybody? Hang on, let me just, that, so say it again. The, so are we on a flat surface? Because it looks like the foot's pointing downhill. Well, <laughs> if it was on a flat surface, it would still be the same thing. I just took the picture of it. So I'm like, as if this was sitting on a flat surface, I'm like, if this was all the way flat, yep. there still would be more, more room between the back part of the coffin bone in the ground than the front part of the coffin bone in the ground. Okay, so it's relative to the bottom of the foot, the distance from the toe to the, the coffin bone at the tip versus at the heel. Yes. So you want, so basically you want a slight raise in the angle of the coffin bone. So like in a front foot, that'd be palmar angle and a back foot, it'd be plantar angle. Okay. okay. Does that make sense? Oh, front foot's palmar, back foot's plantar. Oh, yes. now I get it. I was trying to put those both in one foot. Nope. Nope. That would be an odd foot. <laughs> well, that's why I was struggling. It's like, wait a second. Why is there palmar and plantar? So palmar, front foot, plantar, back foot. Like yes. plantar fasciitis is in our back feet. Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, can I ask you one question about that coffin bone? Yep. It looks like it's really holy. Yeah. So this particular coffin bone, I think, has gotten diminished over the years. I'm like, it's several years old, and I preserve it with polyurethane, but the air still gets to it after a while. Oh, so okay. I think so that's an artifact. Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's it's aging. I'm like, I try to keep the air away from it as best I can, but it still ages. Got it. 
Okay, so if you have your, if, so we're talking about Palmer and plantar angles. So Mike, we'll just, we'll, we'll talk about Palmer right now, but we'll go to plantar. But if you have, you, you need to have, you've got to understand that this big tendon right here um, is your deep digital flexor tendon. It goes, it plugs right into the bottom of the coffin bone. And so when that, then that tendon goes up to the front legs and right below the elbow, it hooks into muscles. And then in the back legs, it's right above the hock. So if, if you have the more of a negative or more of a decreased angle of the coffin bone that you have, the more pressure automatically at a static position that puts on the, the DDFT, the deep digital flexor tendon, okay? And so the tendon's hooked into the muscles. Okay, so I'm gonna get out of this picture for a second so I can kind of show you something. Cool. Let's see here. So let me go to this one. Wow. So, uh, no, I don't want that one. Wrong one. Sorry. That's okay. So, so basically, the lower the back of the cannon bone is, which would be, it's not dorsal ventral. Anyway, caudal. So the caudal, the lower the caudal portion of the coffin bone is to the ground, the more stress there is on the deep digital tendon flexor. Yes. Tendon. Yes. And so when I like I made two repeats of one of my the quotes that I had on here from Dr. Renette Whaler. Um, so I'll get back to that in a second. But so for every for every one degree that you lose of solar plane angle, as in coffin bone, um, for every one degree of that, you actually create um, a certain amount of force. I had that that quote right from Hernan. I mean, I'm going to flip it's on okay, my screen for a second. No, that would make sense because it's like humans' knees. For every extra pound you have, it's like 40, in, 40 pounds of pressure increasing on the, on the knee. Yes. I mean, it's a crazy proportion. It is. And so let me just get this directly so I don't tell you the wrong thing because I have it. Am I going to have it memorized? I'm just flipping through one of my other uh, um, lectures. Cool. Yeah, sorry. That, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. So I just got to get here for one second because it talks about as toe length. We want to know about heel angle. It's incredible though because the stuff that you find in connection with that. I I actually I did um I had all these copied over and then I um I made two copies of the same one. So I apologize. Trying to be prepared. That's what happens. That's okay. That's, we were talking at warp speed, so it's kind of actually good. <sighs> yeah, because I'm like, I forget. I'm like, I'm trying to say as much as I can possibly say. And well, I know, and I like freaked out because I was late and blah blah. That's blah. That's okay. I'm like, like it's I, the I, first it, time I've been late to a webinar. I really, I've, I've been really good. <laughs> I understand. You know what? Everybody that knows me is gonna. Oh, they're going to blame it on me because, because oh. yeah, because I'm like, they all know that, um, that I am never on time. Oh. <laughs> so so they're going to be like, she, she, she does, she does one, one deal uh, with you or four deals with you. And now you're making her late. So I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> I can embrace it. So, <laughs> so this, this is a good thing to see anyways. So I'm like, I brought up the whole slide. So for every one degree drop in the sole angle where the DDFT inserts into the coffin bone, which is right. So I see how this, this where my arrows on the, the picture yep. on the left, see how ground parallel that coffin bone is. That's not actually negative. That's just ground parallel. But when you have the deep flexor tendon that goes right into that and it goes underneath the navicular bone for every, every one degree drop it has, it increases the, the load pressure on the DDFT to the navicular bone by 4%. Wow. So, 
like, and I don't, I don't dictate angles to horses, but um, a nice angle to have, I'm like a good angle to have is like a three to five degree Palmer angle or plantar angle. I'm like that gives them plenty of room for nice suspension and for them to be loading their, their, their legs and to do what they're doing with the DDFT. So like, then you're not actually straining muscle and everything that's connected to those soft tissues. So if, if you go from a three degree to a five degree, either one, so say a five degree Palmer angle, and then you go to zero, you're increasing the pressure on the DDFT and the navicular bone by 20%. Wow. So what happens with that with the proprioceptors, this is what was so cool when Deb and I were working together. So what happens to that is when you have that much pressure on the muscles, then the muscles become tense and, and um, contracted, which um, then when Deb does her talk, you'll like uh, just make even more connection to it because when that happens, those muscles become more tense and um, contracted. And then the next thing you know, the connections that are in the body cause the, so just for like, for instance, in the cervical spine, I might get actually send signals to the blood vessels and to the, and to the front feet to, and the proprioceptors in the front feet. So when we're, when we're allowing them, the angles to get really low, you're putting that much pressure. I put this picture on because this is kind of a, a picture of everything is connected to everything. Yeah, so we, we had um, Martina Nearhart, and we've had some other people talk about these fascial lines. So, you know, when we think about affecting the deep digital flexor tendon, what we have to realize is that's really like part of the fascial system. And so it's not just the DDFT that's getting Correct. affected. It's all the fascia that's in association with that that is going to also get affected. It so is. It's like it, is, it affects every single thing. This is, this is what... Um, I really want people to understand that it's never just about the hooves. I'm like the hooves, the hooves are of utmost importance, but they're, they're important not only for the, the job that they do, but for the, the rest of the body that they support. So it's not just, it's not just, um, you know, how can your horse walk across gravel or whatnot? I'm like, they're attached to every single thing that's in the body that creates every single, I'm like, it has attachments to organs, like just by the way the, the fascial flow and everything goes. Well, you know, the old expression, no hoof, no horse. Um, that's where the horse interfaces with the ground. And so if that interface with the, it's just think about a building. If you take the, t the leaning tower of Pisa and you look at the ground it was built on, it was soft ground. So then the leaning tower leans and now yep. they're trying to fix it because the foundation was so poor yep. that the rest of the building can't be supported by the foundation. And so yep. the hoof, if we think of the hoof as the foundation meeting the ground, then it, it's not just the foot that's important in terms of what we think of as a healthy foot or a nice, you know, good wall and a good soul is affecting everything that's above it. Everything. Yep. In a big, big coming way. back and talking about feet over and over. Oh, it's just, it's incredible. So just, just as an example, so let me get out of this picture and I'll tell you, I, I'll just hop to in a quick example about what um, Deb and I did at the, the class that we did at her place. I can find it here. So the long story short of this, uh, this horse. And so a lot of times when people will, will think that the, the horse is sore in their front feet, which, you know, a lot of times that's the case because the front feet can be problematic. But what they overlook in things when they do that is they overlook the back feet because the back feet have a less tendency to be foot sore or have problems in the back feet. But, but they forget 
and they look for, they, they forget to look for how are the back feet like relating to the ground. And when they relate to the ground, how is that relating to the rest of the body? So in this particular horse, we did, we did several experiments and, and Deb and I are gonna be doing these classes, I think all over the country next year. Ooh. But we did several experiments. Um, the horse's feet in and of themselves, the, the feet were not a problem as far as the hoof condition and everything like that. They were nicely trimmed. They were, they were, they were not the problem. But I'm going to take a quick pause and just check on our horse. Oh, okay. He's up eating. Sorry. Okay. Like, he just, we just used some essential oils on him and he was not feeling so good. You got so your surefoot pads? Do you, do you stand uh, on the physio pad? I, I should have, like I was like running to get to my meeting. <laughs> so Aiden and Joe kind of took over, but. Okay. Um, just tell him, you know, wherever your pad is, tell him to put the horse on the pad. Okay. Because remember the person at the, at your workshop. Yes. 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 I'm like, I think uh, Ada will go back out and put him, put him on, put him on them. Okay, great. But he's eating. So I'm like, that's a good sign. Yes. So with this horse, I'm like, like when you look at her feet, no feet issues as far as like hoof, hoof goes. But what we experimented with, because when you watched her go, she had, she had, ever so slightly negative angles in the back feet which would be negative plantar angles and her front feet were were just they were probably ground parallel they were low low angled but not not really negative and so when we watched her walk so the, the left screen that you're seeing is her before and the right screen is after so the series of experiments that we did was the first first screen was like we hadn't done anything to her we were just filming her and seeing how she's carrying herself and and whatnot the second thing that we did is we put, I put a pair of cloud boots on her back feet, which has about a, an inch and a half elevation in the, the pad, but it's a soft pad that could raise her plantar angles up in her hind feet. So we did that and she instantly like sighed, just relaxed and relieved herself and like, and just was like walking much better. So then after we did that, we put a pair of cloud boots on her front feet as well. So now we've taken all of her uh, angles and made them positive on um, like a plantar and palmer. So, so now she's got four. So she's basically, you know, in the course of uh, 30 minutes, we changed her angles. We actually gave her like on the back feet, we probably added two, two degrees. And on the front feet, we added two degrees. So we gave her four degrees total angle change. And, and then it changed her, it changed everything about her. So she right. started. Somebody's asking what are cloud boots? So the cloud boots are a boot made by Easy Care, and they're just a therapy boot. They're not to ride in. This for this particular day, they were just for an experiment to see what would happen, you know, if we changed her. So, um, but they they're a therapy boot that has a thick pad, in which I'm going to sidebar on that in a bit because I want to talk about some of the stuff we're going to play with with your stuff. But um, they have a thick raised pad, so it's a soft wedge that the horse can like squish its foot into, and um, and then. Uh, it just adds cushion and support. So essentially it allowed the horse to find a balance in its foot that changed the palmer and plantar angles to increase them so that they were not negative, which then would of course yes. would take the stress off the rest of the system. Yes, yes. And so what was so beautiful about that, it, I'm like, so everything that we changed, I'm like, we did it in increments. I'm like, the horse got a more positive change, more positive change. Then after we did all of that, then Deb worked on, on resetting the horse because, um, you know, you taught me this more than anyone about like with my shoulder, how you helped me unfreeze it because my, my brain patterns are going a certain way. Mm -hmm. So, so Deb helped reset that horse to know that it was free to move freely now, not to move like it was uh, tight as a ball of, um, a wire. So, 
Deb worked on it. And so these two pictures were taking, taken approximately three hours apart, maybe not even that long apart. And, um, and, and as crazy as it sounds, it looks like that, that the lighting was different in the right, but I'm like, it actually changed her coat and her hair by changing all, bringing the blood flow to the fascia and to all the, all, all the whole force by changing the angle on her feet. You know, I've seen that because uh, way back when this house, how far back I go, um, I was at Soundfest in Dayton, Washington with Gene Ovenick and Mark Plumley and Joyce Harmon and Richard Caldwell. And um, Joyce watched them trim this horse and its hair coat went from standing up to laying down in about 10 minutes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's absolutely real. Um, and like, and we, like everyone was there when we filmed this. So it's not like we just like hocus pocus this, this nope. thing together. I've seen it. And, um, and, but you can tell on the, the, within three hours, it wasn't even three hours. I don't think, I think that would be tops from the first picture on the left to the, the, and this was actually video. So when we do these classes, we actually break this down piece by piece that you can see every footfall and see how, what, what has changed. And you can notice on here, first of all, the relaxed neck on the right, and then look at the length of the stride, how that changed. And this is just, this is basically giving her four extra degrees, two in the front, two in the back. And that changed her that much. So what that did was it told us what this horse needed to be able to carry on and, uh, and to, to be well, because it will take some time to unwind the body and undo what it's been used to for so long. And, and a lot of these cases are cases where this horse is very well bred. So a lot of times people will breed for the wrong things and they'll, they'll breed for equality, but they, a lot of these type of horses are getting negative plantar angles because that's the, they, they find that to be an admirable thing to show them how that they're showing them, which ever be so incorrect. The quarter but, horse? Yeah. So what, what discipline was it showing in? Um, this one isn't, but I'm like, but this one's not showing in raining, but a lot of the raining horses want low angled coffin bones in the back so because crazy. it gives them a better slide, but, um, but it makes them break down really early. Yeah. But, um, and it's, it's, uh, I, I see, I see a lot of negative plantar angles in those, that those breeding of cutting horses and, uh, raining horses. And I see a lot of it in the hypermobile horses as in like, um, hybrid warm bloods and um, sometimes Tennessee walkers. So I'm like, the more, the more estranged movement that people want to encourage a horse to do in a discipline that goes beyond its natural things that it would do, I'm trying to say all this correctly, <laughs> um, actually creates problems. Well, the simple way to say it is, we're, we're getting more extreme in what we want in performance. And as we get more extreme, we start to breed for that extreme. But the problem is we go away from what is sound. Yes, that was perfect. I'm like, that, yeah, I could not have said that better. I was trying to figure out a, a good way to say it, but that was perfect. So we because, do have a question. Let me just ask you this. Uh, does footing affect soundness of horses with ground parallel uh, palmer angles? Hard versus deep footing question. Yeah, actually it does. I'm like, because I just had um, a student send me a picture of a horse that they just corrected the negative plantar angles on and they corrected it nicely. And what, so this is what we, this is an example. There's, there are others besides this, but what happened with that particular horse is um, it had, it had really low angled, negative angled plantar angles. And so they actually, and it had a hard time from the get go in the sand and the deep sand. So if you think about this is if you think about if your if your muscles are already tense as they could possibly be 
and then you're walking on an unsteady surface like sand because sand shifts and like it puts more strain on on that kind of thing so those horses that have more strain on their soft tissues seem to like the solid ground better so then the odd thing was with that horse is so we they form a hoofed him and um he was immediately better but even though he was his angles were raised up and i'm going to I'm going to explain form of hoof in just a second. But um, even though they raised his angles probably up by three to four degrees, and he was really, really good, he was extra unsteady on the sand. Because um, my feeling for that was because now he's he's had so much strain and contraction on his joints this whole time because of the low angles that when he actually had some laxity in the, the soft tissue, um, it, his joints were more unstable. They needed like the intrinsic muscles. This is where the surefoot stuff is like, like so instantly they sent they 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 put him on a surefoot pad. But they had to go slow with that because he's not that stable because he's been contracted for so long. Right, so, and that but, that's exactly right. You do have to go slowly, and you have to use the harder pads because if you yeah, go too they, soft, it just they did. Yeah, um, so the, the, like that. There's going to bring me to some of the experiments we're going to do, but. Um, was there any more questions about that one? Uh, nope, somebody's appreciating that. But, um, and somebody's noticed that the withers uh, and the pelvis look twice as long, like this horse on the right looks so yes. much different than the horse on the left. It's, it was incredible. I'm like, it was just like the, the, it was, you would never believe that that was the same horse in the same day, like for anything. I'm like, it was incredible. Oh, I do have one question, and since I know you can answer this question, somebody's asking, is there a difference with gated horses? I see many gated horses with lower angles. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's, um, I'm, I'm documenting one right now because, um, so a lot of problems happens, and this goes, and so it, it, this is again, this, this particular horse has perfect feet. I'm like, he's not got any problems with his feet, but he's a super hypermobile Tennessee walking horse that can really get out and move. And the problem with those horses are, is that they can really get out and move, but when you watch them and you watch their joints, they're not that stable. And this is like, I really, really, really encourage people to, to, to invest in surefoot pads for the, these particular horses, especially, because they, they're not, they don't properly line up bodily wise. So like they don't stand square. They have to stand in all kinds of wonky positions because they're, they're just like Gumby. Like they're smooth riding horses, but like God forbid something should come up that they would have to have some support in a quick situation. So what I've been doing with a few of those is um, I'll go, I'm gonna go to the formal hoof uh, thing next so you know. But, um, so I put formal hoof on them and it raises their angles up so that it takes, I'm like, in those horses, they're the opposite of like this horse because this horse is, he, it was in a permanently contracted position. And so, or not permanently, but I'm like, it was in a constant contraction. So I'm like, everything was tight. Whereas in the gated horses, everything is loose. So, but it's hard to get those muscles to fire properly when everything is loose and not underneath itself. So with the gated horses like that, like we've been successful into adding a plantar angle on them and it stands them up, which it actually takes the excess, the, the looseness that they have and actually puts it underneath them so that you can actually put them in work and actually start to get some muscles built up to, to stabilize themselves. I think a, a simple way to think about these loose horses, and we're seeing, in my opinion, more and more of them because we want these extravagant types mm -hmm. of movement. 
Um, they're like a person that's double jointed. Yes. And so they don't have the stability. So your ligaments are supposed to stabilize. They have a really important role of bone to bone connection and stabilizing, yes. which is way more efficient than muscles because it doesn't require energy, which is why if you damage a ligament, it takes so much longer to heal. Yes. But that said, the ligaments are what give us a lot of stability without having to require energy. And when you're double jointed, your muscle system actually has to do a lot more work so yes. when these loose jointed horses, if their muscles are under any kind of a strain or you know a, a negative plane or anything like that, you're putting a stressor through the entire system and you're actually, instead of building up on your, on your small short chain stabilizing muscles, you're affecting your big muscles that are trying to do the work of the small chain and they can't. The bottom line, they can't. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to say it because you can watch this unfold and um, so the one particular horse, I'm like, it just made me smile because um, they wrote to me this last week after we raised his ankle and they said, um, saw him playing in the pasture and he actually was able to double barrel kick one of the other horses, which he's never been able to do that. He's never been able to get both of his hind legs up off the ground and make connection and stay upright. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Okay. So this question I think fits in here. Somebody said, do you find that people use negative coffin angle to exaggerate desired movement? So the lower caudal heel causes the muscles to work harder to contract the leg in flexion stage of movement. So creating an exaggerated stride, essentially. Yeah. So I think, I think there's two parts of that. I'm like, I know a lot of reining people will do um, the low angles because they, they believe that it gives the horse a better slide. And so I can say this, it might give them a better slide, but it might, it'll give them a shorter career. Right. because you're sliding so like the way I put it is like if you just to be walking along and you were walking on ice because you want you're thinking sliding and then as you're walking as fast as you can go on ice point your toes straight up to the ceiling and see how stable everything is and like your lower back's gonna hurt everything's gonna hurt and so that part in in that type of uh, situation is that and then I think with the the negative palmer angles or plantar angles mainly in the the other type of horses is it does exaggerate their movement because they have to, they, they, there's only, they're already, they're already underslung um, before they're actually using their body. And there's an old myth in the racing world that I think it still exists that that longer toe gives them a longer stride, but it does the opposite. Yes. It, and like, it's incredible because on, uh, in the class, I just took this picture of the, the stuff off a minute ago that I teach. And like, I have a racetrack study, um, on the it's for materials for the racetrack but it talks about how many pounds of pressure goes to the DDFT and the navicular bone at full stride and it's like 2,000 pounds that goes straight through the, the middle of the, the DDFT and the, and the navicular bone so um, the, the long toes are not actually giving them a stride it's, it's taking up airspace. Yeah I mean the old walking and swim fins example of how hard it is to move your leg when you have a really long toe. It's, it's crazy I'm like it's just yeah it's, yeah, it's erroneous thinking. Well, and that's the thing is so much of what we're, in, in the horse world, unfortunately, so much of what we deal with is myth, but it's been, it's been passed down for so long yeah. that it's taken as truth. And then when we're confronted with actual fact, we, you know, we struggle because we've got all this tradition and history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where, I think where we are right now, particularly with what's going on in, with hooves. And yes. we're starting to gain knowledge and information and do studies and research and, and able to analyze and see what's really going on. But we're still in the world of uh, the hi historical myths. Yes. 
Yes. And that's a hundred percent true. And then there's always the part that um, to do things, to do things the right way and to do things the more natural way, it takes more time and commitment. I'm like, you know, that's with across the board with anything that you're going to do. And so a lot of people want the easy, easy button and the quick button. And, you know, it I don't know. Do you know Nick Barker? I had her on last week and she's over in the UK. And when a horse comes in for rehab, she has it for three months, 12 weeks. Yeah. And run, you know, and, ha- and runs her program and it's 12 weeks, you know, you can't take your horse home halfway through. And that's yeah, the thing she said, awesome. is the commitment that people have to have when you're starting to make these kinds of changes. Yep. You can't just simply decide tomorrow you're going to make all this change. Yes. <laughs> throw the horse into a crisis it, it is exactly true I'm like it's no different than for anything else that we would do with our own self i'm like you can't just like like you just can't wake up one morning and say like like okay new day new life it's like your body would just hate you <laughs> well it just it, it you know yes okay let's go i know you have a lot more to say i'm we gonna put I'm on get- that topic forever all right well i know it's it's incredible so i want to go so i'm going to see my here. So here's an example of a, um, a warm blood that uh, we're talking about with the, uh, the, the, the negative plantar angles. So again, this guy's got some, he's got some movements to die for, but, um, and this is, this is not at his worst right here, but when you see like the difference, how we change his angle, you can see, I, I didn't get enough of that picture on the right to show the strain that it takes off of that. But that's just one example. I got another one. And that's a formal hoof. So, like, we've been using the formal hoof quite a bit for um, doing this kind of thing. So, this gives you an idea. This is like this is before, like, before we formal hoofed him, and like, and his angles were touching the ground. And this was six weeks in the formal hoof, and he retained his angles. So he gained. He went from about a negative one to about a positive three here. Wow. So, so let's just to make this clear: the fact that his heel bulbs are literally touching the ground on the picture on the left is a really yes. good indication that he's a negative plane yes. angle. Yes. yes yes and so the problem is is what happens with a lot of this stuff is the way that tradition fix it will try to fix it is they'll put a wedge pad an external wedge pad on the shoe and to lift the angle up and it will make it look better on an x-ray but it also marries you to that type of apparatus because you're not really developing this I'm like this digital cushion that's in here this is what we're looking to develop. So let me go out to a picture of my, um, so if you go back to this one. So all it this- takes a minute for our, for our screens to catch up to your screen, just so okay. you know. Okay, okay, we're back on the, on the cross section of the bones. Yes, yeah, so this, all, all of this in here, there, all of this is digital cushion, okay? And so then underneath it is the frog so the frog is here, and then underneath the frog is the digital cushion. So all this is digital cushion. So one sign that you can tell when your horse has got negative or really too for too long is this digital cushion. See how this digital cushion is nice and tacked, and I'm like, and it protects the, the DDFT, and there's a little part of the navicular bone underneath here that you can see. It all protects that. But when a horse is all when they get too negative of any sorts, whether it be palmar or plantar, when they get negative, then they lose all of this protection and the, the digital cushion actually squirts out the back and it becomes almost prolapsed. So like you'll see oh, wow. it back here and you won't like your, your heels will be fine, but your, your digital cushion will be way behind it. So it's, it's there, but doing nothing. 
And so then you put a wedge pad on it. So you put the wedge pad on the, on the, part, the hoop wall of the foot. And so that looks better on an x-ray because you're looking at, you've gotten your angle, but all it's doing is still putting inaccurate pressure on the digital cushion, which is not developing it. So you'll be married to that apparatus. So what we do when we use the form of hoof, or like we've been, we've been had good luck with blue on shoes too, but the form of hoof has been a game changer for negative palmar and plantar angles. So when we use that, it actually helps push the digital cushion to where it needs to go and it helps strengthen it to get to where it needs to stay. That's why in six weeks of that, that um, before and after of this guy. So form of hoof is almost like a soft cast that's kind of holding the foot into a place where it can respond. Yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's. Let me go to another picture. So let me let me show you this one quick, and I'll show you another picture. But so you know, like, to, if you took a, a horse out of wedge shoes, like wedge pads on an external wedge, like you would still have this angle when you took the shoes off. But when you take him out of the formal hoof, like, and this is six weeks, like, and he retained this much, so that's not very common for a horse that's taken out of external wedges. Right, so let me right. show you what another picture of this is. So this is a this is one of um, the horses that Tina Thomas did, and I'm like in my original picture of doing this, um, it actually has a live loop, so you can actually see. I'm like it's on my Facebook page. It's a live loop that you can actually see how much flexion that that this formal hoof has, that's still allowing the foot to be able to expand and contract, but yet it supports the whole apparatus. So I'm like it, it takes the heel bulbs and pushes them where they need to go, so it can protect all the tissues. So um, just so that people know, um, Dr. Deb Taylor, who does a lot with Forma Hoof and is uh, someone that Ida is trained with, did a webinar with me. I can't tell you what number it is right now, but if you go to the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel and just look, for, uh, put in Deb Taylor as a search, you'll find that webinar. And um, she, uh, she talks a bit more about it and has a really interesting way of helping you understand the effect of long toe low heel in terms of the spoke um, with the yes. center of rotation. So yes, like Deb has been our, our complete mentor for like my, my group of people. She's been our mentor and helping us all along the way with the formal hoof and all the things that we've been doing with it. So I'm like, if it wasn't for her, none of us would be doing this, but she's, she's amazing. Yeah. And, um, so, so somebody's asking the horse has a low heel, low heel bulbs, but positive PA is, is that possible to have low heels and a positive PA? Um, it would be highly unlikely. Not that it's impossible, but it'd be highly unlikely because if they've got low heel bulbs, that means they don't have much digi digital cushion. And if, you've not, if you don't have very much digital cushion, you're gonna be at best usually ground parallel. It's, so, it's so that's a good indicator of whether or not you have a negative plane is just looking at the height of the heel bulb over, from the ground. Yeah, that's a big, um, so I, I, like, I put that in my category of red flag, uh, green or yellow flag. And so if I walk up to a horse and their heel bulbs are on the ground, um, first thing that I'm going to, there's, there's a few things that, like the first thing I'm going to think of is possibly uh, negative, possibly ground parallel. And then I'm going to want to also see, like on horses, I don't know if I have it where I can show it to you good enough on this one. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions and I wanna ask you these just because I think that it's important. Um, do horses stay in work when they're in forma hoof? Yep, yes, and, they do. Um, Dr. Taylor said that the forma hoof should go to the hairline to support the heel bulb, question mark. I mean, yes. I do remember her yes. saying that. Yes, so I'm gonna go back to the, another picture that I had of that here. 
Oh, got this one. And then somebody's asking if the soft rides with frog support compare to formahoof. No, not even close. Because the difference is, is that the soft rides with the um with the frog support are much like the cloud boots that we had on the, the horse that we had the before and after picture of. The formahoof, if you can look at it on here, and I don't have all my pictures of formahoof on here, but if you look at it on here, the formahoof supports the whole entire hoof, but yet it's um we have dental impression material in the collateral grooves, which supports the underneath of the digital cushion, and then then it comes up to almost the hairline. Like it's a little bit low on this one. That the dressage horse that I just showed you, though, I'm like he's got I'm like it goes up to his hairline, and I'm like it actually pushes him up. I should have put a a a, a heel angle on there so I could show you. But um, if your foot grows out, the, obviously the formal hoof would start to look lower, right? Yeah, it starts to look lower, but it's still, um, it's just kind of uncanny. It does look lower. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can easily find the picture here for you quick. Right. And while you're doing that, somebody says, uh, uh, let's see, I've read some of the connection between lumbar SI pain and negative angles in the hind. Have you seen... Yeah, I, I would think that that's actually kind of uh, one of the indicators, right? Oh, it's a huge indicator. All right, so I'm trying to find it back. Here's one. So, so this is the one that we we kept the positive angle on. And so this particular horse, like, see how like we built this up here. This particular horse, as a youth, had an OCD, and um, so his his medial wall before the formal hoof, he was in shoes with clips. So this medial wall actually bent under and went like this. Mm. So he was actually not able to stand on, uh, he was not able to stand on that um, correctly. So with that, um, we built this side up just a little bit more and then I, we straightened the tubules up that was folded under. And then, then you saw the after picture of what he was like when we took the formal hook off six weeks later. Yeah. And then, um, so let me... So, so obviously their foot, even though they're in formal hoof, their foot's still growing. And so there's going to be, how, how, how long do you typically leave a horse in the formal hoof between, I would say, resets? Uh, four to six weeks. Okay. So kind of like normal. Yes. I'm going to show you a picture of this horse competing um, that I just showed you. Oh, cool. This is him competing in the formal hoof. I think this is him. I got to make sure it's the right one. I got let me see. I don't have it labeled, so let me see. Could be. This is him. You can actually see the form of on him. Yeah. Oops. So this is him. This is his, him go. competing. He's got glue. Oh on yeah, shoes you can see the form of Yes. So he's got glue on shoes in the front, and he's got the form of in the back. And um, he got a pretty top score. I don't know what he got, but he, I think he either won or came in second. But I think he won. I want to do something with the rider. Can I do something with the rider? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's another story. Okay. Um, yep. see. For anybody who's wondering what I'm seeing, he's sitting on his, uh, he's, well, anyway, he's not sitting square. And so it's going to make the horse's job harder, but that's okay. One of these days <laughs> I'm going to have to do a talk just about rider position and how it influences yes. horses and that would be that'd be awesome i've been interviewing everybody so, else i need to interview myself <laughs> i know i'm like we like i think we'd all tune into that oh that'd so, be fun okay so so now now that we've talked about all that can i talk about some of the experiments we're gonna do yes 
Okay, so at the advanced professionals classes for my graduates because we're all a bunch of hoof geeks. And so w Wendy was kind enough to send us some prototypes of some, some of her surefoot pads that will fit inside of therapy boots. And so the experiments, this is my first experiment I have that I want to line up. So because, so all of this, what we were talking about with negative palmar and plantar angles is, um, is still has to do with proprioception of where their feet, where their feet are in place and time. So our experiment will be, we're going to, we're going to film a horse without anything. We're not going to do anything to it. And then we're going to put a pair of the therapy boots on it with, we're going to decide like, whatever the situation is, we'll put in one of the, the surefoot pads that you had, that you uh, let us are trying out. So we're gonna film it after we do that. And then we're going to film the horse an hour after he's been in those. So I wanna see what his progression is an hour later. So I'm like, so, so first we'll have his naked response, then we'll have his therapy boots with his first response to the, to the, to the, um, the surefoot pads. And then we're going to see an hour afterwards what his response is after he's been like tooling around in his therapy boots with the surefoot pads. And then I want to take the boots off and film him to like take them off immediately and then film him again. So like he won't have the boots on, but like he had been, had them on for an hour. And then I want to film him even like an hour later or possibly the next day because what we're looking to discover with that is how long will the proprioceptive response remain when the horse has had a chance to feel his feet and, and understand his proprioceptors. So kind of proprioceptive recall. Uh, so, cool. um, so that's what um, I'm pretty excited about. That's, that's our, our first experiment. We're gonna do that over the course of three days. But um, Right, and so what then, people have to realize is that we've, we've actually sent Ida a variety of, of densities and thicknesses to see how they're gonna work inside some type of therapy boot. Um, it's, so what you have to realize is it's not gonna be the same as a surefoot pad. It's not gonna be a two inch thickness. And so um, being able to leave a horse a little longer because it's a thinner pad, you don't have the, the same degree of instability. And I think we pretty much only sent you the, well, I, I can't remember, but I know that most of what we sent you was the, stiffer densities the, the yeah we have a firm and you sent me a medium and then you sent me a soft one like you put notes with all of them of, you know, yeah brad of, like, brad made all the prototypes and sent them yes, off to you. yes and, and so like so these are just these are just information for us to understand like what horses and there'll be different horses that we'll try them on because you know you might have so uh, for instance for that would be i'm like uh, you could compare like the uh, horse that has the really contracted muscles in a certain pair of those and a horse that has the hypermobile like flexibility in a pair of those and so to compare to see what each one experiences with with the result of that and how long they keep the experience right and so, and so yeah and there's a, a bunch of things that we're actually playing with right now and um i haven't talked to you about everything um but we've got some new ideas coming and this is one of them this is just the first step in in some concepts that we're working on which I will not say more about right now. <laughs> I know it's exciting. Like I like I hope it's okay. That I like burst the beans on that one a little bit. Yeah, no, that's okay because that that one's a pretty simple one. And um, but the whole idea is is if we use the surefoot den densities in a boot, how is that horse going to respond? Because we already know how they're going to respond to the surefoot pads. Yes. And yes. one of the things I don't know if any unless you saw it, Ida. Um, there's a veterinarian in Australia 
that took a firm pad and put it on top of an x-ray block. And then she did angles and she did, you know, no pad and with pad and saw basically the same thing you saw when you went to Deb Taylor's and used the um, physio pad on top of the x-ray block, which, oh, do we have one? We have one that I can show people. Um, so now, wait, wait, wait. Oh, you got one? Yep. Yeah, the one you sent me. Okay, okay great. So this is a prototype. That's what you have to realize. You can hold it a little higher. Hold it up to, there you go. Okay. It's so, a property of Murdoch method. <laughs> you say that? Um, yes, it does. <laughs> so it's, sorry. Okay, it's, I can, I can it's okay. It's an inch of our hard material, sorry, an inch of our x-ray block material and then the physio pad stuck on top. And the reason we chose the physio pad is because that's basically what you used um, with your experiment at Dr. Taylor's. Um, yes. physio pad. And so you've got the inch of hard material that's going to allow the horse to find its level, if you will. And um, yes. do you have that x-ray that you can show everybody of what it was uh, like? I don't know if I could be able to get it up super quick or not. If see. you unshare your screen, I can go look in my uh, photo okay. file and I might be able to pull it up. I might be able to do it real quick if I just hold my phone up to it because okay, I know But if I you unshare it. your screen, I can like look too. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> then... Yeah. Like, right. If I find it, it's a race. Who's gonna find it? Who's gonna get it first? It's uh, let's see. Because it was back in January you sent me. Oh, and I I don't know if you've seen um I'm I, and I should assign this to you because I, I, you'll probably do a better job than I will. Uh -huh. Um. Oh, here it is. I got it. You got it. Yeah. Let me just share my screen. Do do do. Here we go. This is the one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that was so cool that day because he picked the angle that he wanted, which that everybody thought that he should we should like like get him lower and and stuff. But I'm like he would not have been a happy horse. Right. And so this horse, I think I can actually let me see if I can scroll through the other pictures of it. Yeah, you guys did some angle measurements. Yes. Yes, and that's what like he was like, and he just relaxed like just easy peasy he just relaxed with it and yep. even though those are not the angles you'd like to see on him those are the angles he needed right and um so this is him before right yes yes and then you stuck him on a physio pad and um he really liked it as i recall yes yes these are ida's pictures actually and that's just on a wood block but there's the picture of this horse how he wanted to be. And so that's the thing is what we're working on for these x-ray blocks is making them um, a size. Oops, no, stop, share, stop, share. Okay, um, that, that because if, here's, here's another one that's Brad brought me up a sample. Only my background's kind of, um, if the x-ray block is too big and the horse's foot isn't near the edge, you get a distortion in the x-ray. So that's why we're working with our, our x-ray block material and then, literally cutting up and gluing on top until we get once we get the design and everybody's happy and this is what this pair I'm actually sending to that vet in Australia because that's exactly what she, basically she did the same thing um, awesome. we could actually really revolutionize how we decide what horses want by giving them the option to show us I know I know that's what that was what was so cool about Dr. Taylor and like when we like um, one of the, I think it was uh, it was either Sue or Tina that said let's put that physio pad underneath that horse and we did and Dr. Taylor's like wow that was really cool and so she's like let's take an x-ray of it and so like it just it changed the way that we what we did for that horse to make it for the better 
Yep, and then I'm just gonna share this um, so you can see this uh, share screen. So this is on my Facebook page. This is the, the post that the biomechanic vet posted and I've been in contact with her now, but she just put the horse on a firm pad. I don't know if I can make that. Oh yeah, I can make that too. You know, awesome. and they were just curious about it. But once they saw what the horse wanted, they started mm -hmm. changing what they were doing with that horse. Yep. Um, See, that's everything. So, like the picture on the left, I'm like, that's like, that's just there, all that will affect the proprioception in the horse because of the way it, it will change the cervical spine and like in the networking of those nerves that goes down and feeds the foot. But then when you see it on, this is why I'm like, this all blends in with the sure foot so perfectly because when you look at how that goes then, and then you see, like, you can see how that all lined up on the right. Oh Beautifully. Yep. So it's it's kind of endless. So like what we can do. And then before we run out of time, I got one cool story. That oh, we, I, we, we'll just run as long as you want. <laughs> so here's like, this is, this is a cool story that just happened that I just talked to one of my grads about. So remember the horse that, um, that I told you about that, like they changed his angles and he walked on the sand. So then they had did another horse uh, that they were working on and it belongs to an osteopath. And so the horse has a really, like it has a definite problem in the cervical spine, like it has a fusion or something that has a hard time. Um, I'm not sure which two vertebrae, but it made it like really almost impossible for it to lift up its front feet. So mm -hmm. they, they started off immediately with doing the sure foot pads, the physio pad. And so they would get at the horse and like she'd put the physio pad and then the owner would call it uh, the, um, the sure foot eyes because the horse would, would get on the pad and then, um, it would get the surefoot eyes and then the, it'd pick up her foot like like routinely. And so you know, the owner was really excited about that. The trimmer was really excited about that. So, so I was just talking to the trimmer this week and she's like, she had forgot to take her surefoot pad with her at the trim. But the horse, this is like, this, this is like mind-blowingly cool. Because the horse, like, so, you know, they both, both of them figured she wouldn't be able to pick up her leg. But the trimmer would like re like always greets the horse the same way, touches the horse the same way, and then went to touch its foot or went to touch its leg to lift it. As soon as she touched its leg, the horse instantly connected her touch with the leg with the surefoot pad that she usually has, got surefoot eyes, and picked up her foot. Like because like that. So that's the stuff that um, we want to talk about with the proprioceptive recall because if it can affect, like, it goes back to what you taught me about moving my shoulder. Like if the horse went, if the horse could actually feel and believe that it could pick up its foot because I'm like, it was going to get the relief from the physio pad that it had from before. It was good enough that the horse picked up, I'm like as soon as she touched it, the horse switched on to surefoot eyes. And so I thought that was an awesome story. That is awesome. Yeah. So, so somebody says uh, her horse jelly bean starts yawning as soon as he sees the pads. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and I have seen this many times now that, um, you know, horses remember, you know, like I'll come up to them and I'll, they'll already start letting down that, that they don't actually have. There's a horse actually in Germany that they hold the soft pad ringside that the horse goes in to do his test and he sees the pad and he lets down and does his test beautifully. So, so whether it's Pavlovian, whether it's recall, whether it's, you know, habituating to the pads, it doesn't matter because if we can just simply show them the pad and they're like, get the dreamy eyes or not even have the pad and get the dreamy eyes. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty, I'm like, it's just a routine. So it could have been any one of those things, but as, as a real enough thing that it could, it could suppress the tight nerve endings in the neck to be able to pick up its foot. So, so. it really goes back, you know, like some people might call it a placebo effect, but horses don't have placebo effect. Mm -hmm. 
right? Nope, I mean, they don't. So, but there's an association. They definitely can make an association. And so it sounds to me like the horse associated the comfort, not only with the pad, but with the trimmer. And so yep. as soon as the trimmer did the same routine, they went, oh, I'm okay. I'm good. Yep. So yep. it's crazy how I'm like, you taught me that. I'm like, I tell everybody what you taught me in Tennessee with my arm, but because like once that you convince your brain and like, and there's two orthopedic surgeons that still can't believe that I didn't have to have the surgery. Oh, you're was, kidding. <laughs> no. And, 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 and I had like, there was, there was real adhesions there, but my brain overpowered them. Like, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, it keeps going back to, we really don't understand the power of our own brain. We don't. And mm -hmm. it's so plastic. It's, and that's one of the things I, I, maybe I can get Steven back to talk about the plasticity in the brain or someone, because the brain is what's called plastic, meaning that we can stay in a rut, like a rut on a track, like my mother who would never do email, even though she worked for IBM or <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Or we can change and, and it, we can change at any point in our life. It's just simply being willing to, to change and to try something different. And we just don't know the power of our own brain. It's, it's kind of an amazing thing when you think about it. Like this is the, yes. this is the last unknown territory right here between yes. our ears. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. I agree. And I'm like, and the horses, horses are actually better at using it than we are. I mean, because well, they, they can't make up stories like we can. Yes. You know. So when you see a horse do it, it's like, you know, you're seeing the real thing. Yeah. Yep. And that's true, like with homeopathy. And I'm, gonna, I'm hoping to have Dr. Harmon come back and talk about homeopathy because you get a lot of people that say, oh, it's placebo. Well, animals don't know what placebo is. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I've seen it. Well, actually, my favorite homeopathic story was with my own mother. Um, I was in an expo and she fell down and hit her head in the middle of the night, got up, went back to bed. And when the in-home care found her the next day, she had blood on her head. And when I got home, she looked like she was dying in front of my eyes. And it turned out they did a scan and her brain was fine on that level, the EEG, but she obviously had a concussion. I gave her Arnica and in 15 minutes, she came back to life. I mean, it was just yep. stunning. Yeah. Um, so, and have you given that horse Nux Vomica, by the way, the one that's um, colicking? Uh, I, like we put Digize oil on him, like okay. um, it's a, like we used to put it on their gums and, and most of the time, like, as long as it's not a severe blockage, I'm like, that's been worked great for us. I'm like, he's an, he's an internalizer. So he gets nervous about things when he's getting a storm. So I'm like, he, who knows? I'm like, he just, he worries, he worries about everything. Yeah. But that's the thing is there's a lot of things that we can do. Like I, you know, I, I'm just kitchen sink, but I have, when I used to travel on the road, I carried a kit and I carried Nux Vomica rescue remedy and um, probiotic. And if my horse looked at all funny, I just, yeah. Um, but anyway, we're off topic. Yes. Imagine that. <laughs> you and I off topic, never. So, okay. So um, since I've seen you, you've, you've really gotten into the formal hoof and you've worked with Deb Davies. So if you were to say, what was the one thing that you came away with as an aha moment from your workshop with Deb Davies? Because now you're actually going to travel on the road with her. So there must've been something that was like a really big aha. So what well, we'd been feeding back and forth for quite a while. It's like, we didn't get to teach together, but it's like, like I'd text her something, she'd text me something. So the biggest thing is, is so the things that I could see that I knew were happening, I didn't really have an explanation for. And then, so, so then when she taught her part of the class for the, the cervical um, nerve endings and pathways of how that, 
I'm like, and there's way more to it than just the the neck. I'm like, we just touched on one one topic because all the nerves and the fashion, everything are all related. But to see how the so the signals that were happening, I'm like, you can see something, but not really know what you're seeing, but you know it's true. So I'm like, so it just made it connected the dots for me, and then it just added to more experiments because when we got finished with changing the horse's angles and then she got finished with like, it was very much, I, I keep going back to what happened in Tennessee with my arm with you, but it was very much like that because like I changed the horse's angles so that it could, you know, like feel itself in a different way and it could relax itself. But then when she went and, and re reprogrammed its nerve endings and its, its perception of things, that horse turned like butter. Like you couldn't see it in the picture that I had um, because it, it was not the it wasn't the the video, but when that horse turned before we started all this, I'm like it was like a board. I'm like there was no there was no softness, and when it turned at the end, it was like she could almost fold in half. Wow. And so making those connections and the reason why, um, I, I can't wait for you to get to talk to Deb on the because I'm like she'll she'll I, I told her I was like I want to segue this a little bit into like getting the hoof part out there because this is kind of like a mini version of what we do is uh, getting the hoof part out there and then she'll take it and then she'll explain what then I got to learn from her and then we blended it together and it was just awesome. pretty fun. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, when we make changes to horses, you're, you can make a physical change to a horse, but you also have to make a, um, a nervous system change to the horse. In other words, it, you'll keep doing the same thing in a habit pattern until you become aware of that habit pattern, yes. right? because you're held in that pattern. And so that's one of the things that body work can do, surefoot can do is come in and say, hey, do you really need to be doing this pattern? Because the cause of it is gone. Yes. And and so if you don't um, uh, like remind the body that it doesn't have to keep maintaining a pattern from pain or from injury or from, you know, negative Palmer angles, then you know, the, then things can change. But so often that plasticity that I talked about, we get in a rut and the horse gets in a rut just as much as we do because they're nervous, their brain is plastic also. And so we just keep running the same pattern unless something intercedes and says, hey, look, there's another option. Yes. And um, I recently was, uh, I'm working on the Surefoot Workbook. I am awesome. on the Surefoot awesome. Workbook. And um, one of the things that I was looking at was, uh, in children, you know, the same things in children that are in horses and adults when I teach riding, in order to have change, they actually have an acronym for it. It has to do with the reticulating activating system. I think that's the right word in your brain and dopamine and one other thing, but you need novel, curious, interesting, not painful, not threatening, feeling safe. And then you can make changes. Yes. Um, and so yeah, it sounds like, you know, that was the perfect environment for that horse and you set it up and then you said, Hey, you can be different. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. It's really cool. So, um, so, all right. So you've been doing that and anything else, uh, that you're, that's coming down the pike other than playing with the sure foot pads in the boots that we've sent to you. So every day is a new day. So Mike, it depends on what I see at the moment I see it. So like, <laughs> So yeah, I don't have anything right off the top of my head, but as soon as, um, I don't know, every time you see something that you want to just make it one tad better, then, uh, then there'll be something else to be chasing after. Yeah. So it's just, so, um, 
So it's really great because what's happening now that I've done so many webinars is I can start to uh, help people realize the interconnections between all this stuff that everybody's basically working toward the same goal of a happy sound horse. And we're all coming from slightly different perspectives, which is great because not, it's not one size fits all, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, is. it never is. And so for each horse, we have to keep tweaking and finding what's going to work for that horse. Like um, Dr. Herman's horse, which I've been doing her feet because she's uh, had chronic laminitis um, and Joyce's mom passed. And so she was, you know, long story short, I started taking over her feet and I've been doing that for a couple of months now, but Joyce put her on a different herb. And this horse went from, you know, that pudgy fat to looking like she's lost a hundred pounds and her coat's shinier. It's still thick, but it's shinier and she's moving out better. And so, you know, I've been working on her feet, but that change in herbs yes, such a difference. I'm, I'm still kind of gobsmacked it. She's only been on it. And well, the herbs are dependent on the individual. So like telling you what her, her horse is on, because somebody's asking what herb, isn't the same. And that's where you know, Dr. Harmon knows Chinese herbs. And so she takes a history on a horse. And it's, that's the thing is, it's not just, you know, use this herb for all horses. It was yes. this herb for this horse. And um, so that's why we have to keep searching and investigating and asking questions and exploring. And I think that that's um, really what this is all about is we, we have this body of knowledge, but we have to find our own way with our own horse. And yes. that's really the piece that's challenging. It is. It is because everything is, a, everything is an individual. So nothing works 100% of the time for 100% of, of anything, whether it be people, horses, dogs, anything. So and that's, um, that's kind of the, like when I teach people about hooves, it's the same kind of thing. You know, like I'll give them their basic philosophy first that we're going to let the, the basic idea. But every, every trim is subject to the tweak that that horse asks for. Because not every horse, you can have three horses with what appear to be three identical sets of feet, and like, and they all three need something different because they're they all have they have different nerve endings, different fascia connections, different everything. So there is no one size fits all trim. I'm like there that there's there's just not ever, and um and that makes my black and white people like kind of crazy because yeah. they want me to be able to like give them like paint by numbers, but I'm like I I'm like I'm going to give you as many tools in your toolbox as you can possibly handle but every horse is an individual and you have to, I mean, every foot for that matter, what you can do to one left front foot, you might not be able to do the right front foot. So you yeah. have to ask that horse and you have to be aware of what that horse is telling you. Well, and that is so true with Surefoot that um, so often I get people uh, contacting me and ask, basically wanting a formula, but you know, all I can do is get you started. I give you the basics of how to be safe and how to get started with your horse. And then it's you and your horse and letting your horse show you what that horse wants. Yes. Um, and that is really, it, and it is hard for people that aren't used to um, having the, observ the observation. Dennis Verdon um, talked about seeing, looking, and observing. And that observing actually has confusion as part of it. Yeah. And that we observe something and then we're confused and we have to think about it and kind of look at it and then reevaluate and, you know, what are we looking at? Yes. Um, yeah, that's 100% true. And I, I think with some, feet, that's a big one. <laughs> well, it is, it is like, because the horse never lies. This is what I tell all of my students. Like, they don't have a hidden agenda. So I'm like, if they don't like the trim, it's for real. They don't like the trim. And so they, you need to tweak it. And somebody had 
raised their hand and asked about confirmation having a part of it. And it definitely does, but you can have two horses with the same confirmation and the same feet, but maybe they have different jobs. And so you'd have to do something, maybe whatever they want is what you like. And you have to be okay enough with not being correct all the time to, to, for the horse to tell you, Hey, I'd like a little more of this or a little less of that and be okay with tweaking that. Because I just don't think, I mean, you know, we're all humans, but we don't all have the same everything. We don't wear the same type of shoes, same type of anything. So it's yeah. just so individualized. I mean, there's some basic rules, right? That yep. we want uh, positive plantar and palmar angles, yep. right? It's basic rule. Um, and we don't want a long toe basic rule. And then yep. from there, it's, it's like surefoot. You start with this. And from there, you've got to figure out what works yep. for that horse. Yep. 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 Well, this has been fabulous. Yet again, I, I really miss not being able to be at your workshop. I'm going to actually be going to New Hampshire to do a Surefoot workshop and a riding clinic, which uh, in the new world, um, I've had to write a protocol and figure out how I'm going to do this safely, keeping everybody safe. Yes. Um, so this is going to be an experiment. Um, but, you know, it's, <laughs> thanks. And, but, you know, I miss not having time face to face with you. So, um, hopefully soon we can solve that. I know. I know. I'm like, we just, like whenever things bust loose again, then we're like, we'll be chasing our tails, but we got to try to find a time that we can. I don't know about you, but I have been working harder now than. <laughs> I kind of feel like that too. It's like, it's a whole variety of different kind of things, but in preparing for what's going to happen. So, you know, it's been, it's been. Well, I'm doing these webinars, you know, it's, I, I never had, I never had a plan about continuing to do them, but every day somebody sends me another name that somebody I've heard of or know of. And it's like, you know, wow, I, I, I I'm going to have to keep going. So, so I'm going to just have to keep going. Well, 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 it's, it's fun. You know, like it's, it's, it's good stuff. Yep. All right. So um, uh, we got one question here. When a horse is barefoot on the surface is limestone, is there concern about wearing the hoof down too much? So the, yeah, there can be because um, I've had people in Arizona and depending on the activity of the horse and that kind of thing. So as a rule, I'm like, I adjust my trim for those kind of things also, because if the horse is a busy horse, like we've got a couple of them here, they move all day, just like, like they just kind of house on their feet. So I'll try to leave them enough foot left to do that. But sometimes you have to like, like some of the things you can use, the hoof armor is a good thing. It helps them, helps harden the hoof and like, and helps them slow down the wear and does things like that. But sometimes you have to, you have to put on some hoof protection if they're wearing their feet faster than they can. When I, when I learned, everybody would say, oh, they will never wear their feet faster than they can grow them. But that's not true. I've seen horses do that. So you just, you have to listen to the horse and like, and there's some easy things you can try like the hoof armor, which is great stuff. And then like, you might have to leave them more hoof at a trim so that they're going to wear it off. Like my endurance riders, when I'm trimming their horse, my, my first question I ask them, are, are you going to train barefoot or are you going to train in boots? Because if you're going to train barefoot, I'm like, I'm going to balance your foot and leave the, all the length because they're going to wear it off. But if you're going to train in boots, I'm going to trim them normal and then they're going to wear their boots. But if I leave them more foot and they want to use their boots, then that won't work. So we have to. <laughs> you got your, you got your ma mascot? Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. Yep. He says it's time. It's time for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and he came in from the storm anyways. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm going to check. I think we have one more question here. Uh, how much length do you leave? It, I would think it really depends on the horse, right? Yeah. Yeah, it would. It depends. Uh, the way I look at it is uh, uh, how much are they going to wear before the next time I trim? 
you know, if they're wearing off, just like maybe I leave half of what I normally would. Depends on how much they're moving the horse and the terrain. Yep. It, it depends is the number one answer to 99% of the questions. <laughs> yep. I have a t-shirt that says that. What's the oh, perfect look. look like? And it says it depends. <laughs> all right. Well, good to see you again. And thank you everybody for joining us. Just remember, you can see this in all of the webinars on my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Um, and also you can sign up for all the webinars now on the surefootequine.com website. Just click on the calendar, a box will open, click on the link in the box and you can sign up directly from there.